0: ...response. Um, we've met so many people in the community. They come in, they want a store. They're almost thanking us for being there and taking their money. So, they're excited that the profits are going to go to the community. This month, they're going to the Fountain service center. We actually had a volunteer from the service center come um, not knowing that the money was going to the service center, and she was just over the moon excited about what we're doing. Um... One customer came in I her on her current Thursday, and she was so excited. She went home, tagged our Instagram, raved about the store, advertised for us. It was awesome. I think she came and met Donna on Friday, which was really cool. So people are coming, and they're coming again. We've only been open for six days, so it's pretty cool. Um, and in the six days we've been open, we've already surpassed what we need for monthly expenses. In six Deans. so we're definitely seeing a buzz around the uh, little north community which is cool um, so yeah we're excited just letting all of you know that your um, support your encouragement all of that is going and it's Benefiting people in the community. I've never talked about Heritage Christian Church so much in the few days that I've been at the store. I don't think Heritage Christian Church has been mentioned in founded as much as it has over the six days we've been going So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you.
1: Amen. So God has done some great things there, and we're so excited to see what He's doing and looking forward to even not. I think we should celebrate those checks as they go out to the different organizations that we want to support here in our community. They're doing a great work to support others, and we know that the Family Service Center helps a lot of people, you know, when it comes to food and those who may not have the things that they need, you know, the necessities. So we as a church can, you know, jump right in and help them, and I'm, I can't wait to see what's going to happen even with those connections when those organizations begin receiving checks from Hope Storage. and uh, so it's going to be an awesome thing. Um, I also just wanted to give a quick, it's not really an update, it's kind of a mini announcement. Is that okay? Uh, yeah. Okay. I want to talk to you a little bit about our Wednesday night discipleship. And we all look at the world that we see today. And we've seen the things that are going on. And we've, we've come, we're, we're in a place in the world where people have
0: replaced their truth, or actually they've replaced God's truth with their truth.
1: I want to say that again. They've replaced God's truth with their truth. In other words, it's, it's about my truth. It's not about what God's truth is. And we live in a world where there's so much uh, shifting sands, so many things that are being shift, that are shifting out there, that it's hard to have a solid foundation. Our Wednesday night is developed to help encourage you and disciple you so that you, are, you don't have your foundation on those shifting sands. And we've continued to go through the Apostles' Creed specifically, literally line for line, because those are our ordinances or creeds that have been passed down since the first and second century, end of first, second century. And then what we continue, they're the things that we continue to put our foundation on in this world. I want to encourage you to come out on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. We keep it pretty short, it's not going to be this long, drawn out, you're not going to be here until tonight at 10. Well, I do think it's important for us to come together, especially because of the world that we live in, to be able to continue to set the foundation for our lives and souls. We're continuing to go through the Apostles' Creed, and then beyond that, we're going to do a, a series called The Contagious Church, or Contagious Christian, that will help us to be able to share our faith in effective ways, based on our personalities, rather than the things that we you know, we like, hear evangelism, when we think of the evangelists, we think of these big gatherings, but actually, God has placed in every one of us a certain gifting, and it may not be to be the next Billy Graham, and it may not be to preach to a to a congregation, but every one of us has certain personality traits that, if we use them correctly, we can evangelize to others. And so, I just want to I want to encourage you that these Wednesday nights are important. That's the reason I'm doing them. I'm not doing them for my health because I needed to study some more. You know? Come up with another lesson. You know, I'm doing this because I feel like it's that important for this time. And in that season, when we had a couple of weeks at home. You know, you know, Pastor John, I can't sit home for a couple of weeks, you know, without we had a little COVID situation. Um, I just began praying, God, what do you want from us? And I really felt like he said, you need to work on discipleship in the church. Because we don't know what's coming up. Again. And we need to be prepared to do whatever it takes to stand firm. Okay, information. Information I'll commercial over. Don't, I'll over. Don't gloss over just
0: because the pastor is free, asking you to come on
1: Wednesdays. Please come. It's, it's a wonderful time of learning fellowship. Please come. We need you. And you need this Wednesday nights. There you go. Amen. <laughs> And uh, so today's a uh, theme, and we're continuing with this series called No Turning Back. And specifically, we're working through the book of Ruth together. And the overall theme is finding hope in tragedy. You know, from the very beginning of the Jesus movement, it was never easy for those who claimed the name of Christ, who claimed to be Christians, who claimed to be Christ followers. You see... Christ's followers suffered brutal persecution from Rome. They were tortured. They were burned alive. They were burned at the stake. And they were killed simply because they called the name of Jesus. And simply because they refused to offer sacrifices to Caesar. But yet, they still chose to follow Christ. It wasn't easy. But they said, I'm going to serve my God. Whatever the cost. Had, uh, no an epileptic seizure, back. that would do there it. There were no U-turns for them. They chose that regardless of the consequences, regardless of what hit them, that they were going to continue to serve the Lord. And we also know that persecution continued in later centuries at different times, as people began to work out what they believed about Christ and what it meant to be a Christ follower. Many in England were persecuted. And they were in prison because they kind of pushed back against the official church of England. One of those people was the famous hymn writer, his, his uh, Isaac Watts. His dad was in prison, actually, when he was born. He was in prison because he did not fall in line with the church of England. He was a descendant. So when Isaac Watts was born, dad was in prison. And Isaac Watts was the author of many of the hymns that we know today, like "Joy to the World," that we often sing at Christmas time. I sing the mighty power of God, and when I survey the wondrous cross, as we did, did at Easter time. He's the father of many hymns, but though his life started with tragedy, rather than make Isaac Watts bitter, it made him better. There's only one letter difference between bitter and better. But there's a world of difference in how we see the world around us and how we react to it.
0: We also know that people would eventually
1: venture to the land that we now live in to be able to practice their faith, to have religious freedom, to be able to practice it the way that they wanted to, rather than falling in line with the Church of England. Yeah. Now one of the things we know is that tragedy and trials have their way of shaping us. Their way of shaping me, shaping you. When we go through trials, when we go through things that are difficult, it can either shape us positively or negatively. Now one of the things we know is you cannot control the circumstances that life throws at you. But one thing that we can all control is how we react to them. And we see this in Ruth. When we talk about Ruth and Naomi, we see this in Ruth. You see Ruth seem to take things in shine. She showed extraordinary trust in the God of Israel. And she was a Moabite. She wasn't even even Jewish. But she showed a trust in God. And she chose not to allow Naomi to go off on her own and to spend the rest of her life alone. You might remember last week where Naomi stood up and said, No, Ruth stood up and said, No, Naomi, I will not stay here. Your people are going to become my people. Your God will become my God. Where you live, I will live. Where you die, I will die. That's strong commitment. That's no turning back. That's a commitment from life to death, no matter what happens. She couldn't stand the, the thought of her mother-in-law struggling yeah. and being lonely by herself. Yeah. She came to her faith the same way that we all do. She came with nothing, no options, no people, no God. You see, God transforms us, and He turns all of that around. Where we once had nothing, now we have Christ, who is all. Where we once had no options,
0: we now have a plan
1: and purpose that God has placed in our lives. We're living life with purpose not just haphazardly. Where we once had no people, now we have God's people. We have community. And the overall question that we've been chewing on throughout this series so far is where is God in all of this? Where is God in all of this? When we see things going crazy in our world, where is God in all of that? Where is this taking us to? And though we've not answered this question yet, What we see here in Ruth is setting the stage to see what God is going to do through the tragedy. I believe that we are in the same place as a nation and as a church. We see the tragedy. We see the frustration building up. We see the anger and the bitterness. We wonder, what is God going to do through all of this? In fact, where is he? all the things that we see. Cross Spurgeon said it this way. He said, the Lord gets his best soldiers out of the highlands of the The Lord gets his best soldiers out of the highlands of the That means you go through these things, the difficult times, and God uses that. You know why? Because you've been there. You can relate. You can relate to others. And the theme today, the message today, is called you may feel empty now, but harvest is coming. Amen. You may feel empty now, but harvest is coming. See, the tragedies of life either make you bitter or better. We can see that Ruth used the experience to become better. She was loyal and confident to this to, to God. And confident in God's ability to provide for them everything that they needed.
0: On the other side of that
1: is we don't see the same thing in Naomi. We see a woman who's struggling to see anything positive in life. Anyone ever been there? I have. So as we go a little bit further here in Ruth, I want you to keep these things in mind. So we have Ruth, who God is working through and she's confident, she's trusting God. And then we have Naomi, who's struggling in her faith in this moment. Ruth chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. They'll be behind me and you can open up your Bibles if you have that, or your favorite translation. This is the New Living Translation today. It says, So the two of them continued in their journey. And when they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited at their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The women asked. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy on me? See, that's the bitter life. The bitter life. Bit life is not fun. If you've ever been in that, that mode of thinking, you know it's it's a rough time, it's a dark time. It can be painful. But sometimes we all go through it. In one way or another, we have those moments. And it may a short time. For some of us, it could be a period of time. But the interesting thing as you read through this is that the whole town was beginning to talk. That Naomi was back. Of course, when Naomi came back, she was not what she was when she left. She was not the same person. She probably didn't look the same. Life had aged her. and maybe even aged her even more because of all that she had faced. And you could see it in her eyes. You could see it in her face. We've all seen that look at one time or another from mothers that we looked into their eyes and just saw nothing there. Just struggle, hurt, pain. See, they only left with hopes of finding a better life. But she found nothing but a bitter life. She must have had a flood of emotions as she began to walk through that town. These were the roads that her and Elinolent would walk down together. These were the familiar places and the, the people that she once knew in the past. The places where her sons may have played. The friends that they had that had now grown up and maybe had grandchildren, and she had no grandchildren. And it's in the midst of these emotions, all of this just kind of beginning to well up in her, that she refuses her name. With all these emotions going on in her mind, she refuses her name, and she said, because Naomi means pleasant, but she says, I am not pleasant Anymore. I am no longer pleasant. She said, Call me Mara, which means bitter. That defines me. That is who I am now. I used to be pleasant, but today I am bitter. She labeled herself. And she didn't hide her frustration. She didn't hide her bitterness. She didn't even try to pretend that everything was okay. She didn't try to put on a good face for her former friends. You know, sometimes we can do the same thing through our own tragedies. And like that Naomi, we may cry out, don't call me a son or daughter of God. Don't call me blessed and highly favored. Don't call me mighty man mayor or mayor of valor. Don't call me more than a conqueror. Call me by my sin. A drunkard, an addict, an adulterer, greedy, narcissist, angry, bitter. Call me by that name. Here's the difference. And here's what I'm asking you when you begin to go that direction. Don't let your sin define who you are. Don't let your sin define who you are because it is not who you are. Don't let your sin define you. You are who God says you are. You are beloved. You're forgiven. You're a new creation. You're made in His image. You're his son. You're his daughter. You are dearly loved. And when Satan, I've heard this before, and I love this. When Satan tries to remind you of your past, you remind him of his future. You may feel empty now. The harvest is coming. She went away full, but now she's coming back at me. She left with a son and a husband. They went on looking for a better life. But now she comes back with empty hands, an empty home, and an empty heart. What she thought would fulfill her and her family ended in emptiness. See, we often look to things outside of God to fulfill us. We look for those things. We chase those things, just like her and her family did. We travel to get it. We sacrifice our families sometimes to get it. We work. We strive. We neglect others and we neglect helping others. We neglect serving to go after this thing that can, that we continue to run after and still doesn't fulfill. We still feel empty even when we catch it, even when we finally get there. And for a time, though, for a time, it even works. But eventually, things begin to fall through, and we recognize how empty that pursuit really was. Why? Because nothing can fulfill us like the love of Christ at work in our lives. We come in empty again and again and again. We come up empty again and again and again when we chase all of those other things. This is why we're commanded to be
0: filled and
1: keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't have to live life empty but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we don't have to live life on Which is going on How i make you it a little bit close on your tank. You wait till that little yellow light goes on, bing, and beep! You're like, oh, I can still make it. I still have another 30 miles. I'm just gonna, I can, I can make it still. Anybody ever run out of gas doing <coughs> that? I will ask everybody. No, no shame, no guilt. But I have seen many cars on the side of the road pushing a little too far, didn't I? <laughs> Ruth seemed to have faith when Naomi was lacking. This is why Naomi could not be left alone. Because she needed somebody to believe for her and she needed somebody to believe with her. There are times in life when we're going through difficult times and we can't muster up the faith of our own. We need to rely on the faith of someone else. That will have faith for us. And that's what they, that's what Luke was doing for Naomi. This is what faith is all about. It's about daring to believe that God is working everything out for the good, even when we don't feel like it. Or even when we don't see it. Like we say today. Even when I don't feel it, even when I don't see it, you're working. You're working. Even in the things I don't understand, you're working. You see the beginning and the end, and I just see the small glimpse, the small piece of where I am today. Yeah. You may feel empty now. The harvest is coming. Amen. So there's the bitter life, and then there's the better life. Protecting your heart. How do we protect ourselves from letting that bitterness take root in our hearts? How do we go from bitter to better? The well, first thing we have to do is our sins before God and ask Him to help us root out that bitterness in our lives. But the core issue often is, what do you focus on? If you're only seeing the negative things in life, take a second look, just for a moment. Let's look at Naomi. Let's take a second look at Naomi's life for a moment. Now we would all agree that when you look at Naomi's life, it's been pretty tragic at this time. She has very little, seemingly, to praise God for. Very little to thank God for. But the one thing she did have through this whole process, despite all that she had, been, she had gone through, Naomi had life. Naomi had life. You see, we understand as believers in Christ that life is precious, that no time can be taken for granted. We don't know how long we have on this earth, and we shouldn't take those moments for granted. We should make the most of every opportunity that we have, and by God's grace, You and I are alive today. And by God's grace, Naomi was alive at that time. There's an early English theologian in the 1800s by his name, John Henry. And he said, fear not that your life shall come to an end, but rather that it shall never have a beginning. Fear not that your life shall come to an end, but rather that it never shall have a beginning. We can just... We can plot for life, just kind of get through the day. But don't you want to begin living real life what Christ said he came to give. to give life, and you give it more abundantly. This challenges us as a way we live to appreciate the life that we have for whatever days that we're here. Naomi thought that her life was over. She could not see the bigger picture, and often neither can we. Anybody know how your story is going to end yet? No. All we see is a small moment in time where we are. God knows the beginning and the end and the ending. And that's where we go back to him and say, Lord, I just have to trust you. Lord, I just have to trust you. So it's easy for us when we read a story like this. Because many of us know the end. Right? We know the ending. But we don't know the ending. Can of you our turn lives. The up, Katrina? And we can find ourselves in the same place as Luke and Naomi. Struggling through life, not knowing what we're going to do next. God knows the beginning. Mm-hmm. And this is where we stand. Naomi had life. What else did Naomi saying? have? Naomi had people. Naomi had people. She is now back home where she has friends that care about her. She has a daughter-in-law that's risked everything to go along with her. A daughter-in-law that believed for her when she didn't have the strength to believe, when she didn't have the faith to believe. And this morning, I want to say that there may be some of you here today that are struggling alone, and you're sending people away like Naomi did. Naomi said, you just go back home. No, I don't need you. I'll be okay. I'll be okay on my own. And you're continuing to push people away, and you're struggling by yourself. And i want to say to you this morning that you do not have to walk alone. What you're going through is not a punishment. Allow the people of God to pray for you and believe with you. And if, when you cannot believe, believe for you. Believe for you. When you're having a difficult time believing, we can believe for you. This is what the church of Jesus Christ is all about. We are family and we care for one another. And yes, we have faith for you, and when you're struggling to find it, we can come up with some for you. And that's why we pray boldly, and we believe with you, and we believe for you. The third thing that Naomi had is she still had God, though it felt like he wasn't there. So she had felt forsaken. Who else felt forsaken? Jesus Christ, he was on that cross. said, my God, my God. Why? We still have God. Woodrow Wilson, 28th President of the United States, said, I believe in divine providence. Without it, I think I should go crazy. Without God, the world would be a maze without a clue. Without God, the world would be a maze without a clue. That's an alignment of what we see every, everywhere now shifting sands. Everybody has their own truth. There is no truth. There's no foundation. It's a maze without truth. You find yourself bumping into wall after wall after wall, after wall and you're lost. And many are wandering around aimlessly, trying to find purpose and meaning in their lives, and they just keep bumping up against the wall. Romans eight thirty one says, "What shall we say about such wonderful things as these?" If God is for us, then who say, who can be against us? Amen. Amen. You know, with God, it's never too late to start again. Because God is for you. Are you trusting God for a new beginning? You may feel empty now. The harvest is coming. Ruth 122 says, So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter, mother, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in the late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. At the beginning of the barley harvest. They feel empty now, but the barley harvest is coming. More on that next week. <laughs> but one of the things we know is that the harvest represents several things. It represents provision." It represents, it represents blessing. It represents thankfulness. And it also represents people coming to Christ. Right? Because you know where Jesus said that the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. You may feel empty now this morning. I'm here to encourage you that the harvest is coming. You do not, you're not have to live a life of bitterness any longer. You can allow God and circumstances in your life to make you better rather than better. This will stretch you. This will shape your life. Also, here to tell you again this morning that you're not defined by your sin. You have a new name Is on you? given by Christ. Your past has been mute. forgiven when you come to Christ. Immediately. And you don't have to keep chasing things mm-hmm. to fill that void, just fill that play. emptiness no, in your life. Right to it just continues to Feeling empty, your life can have meaning today by changing your focus instead of what you don't have or what you do have, not what you don't have but what you do have. You can have forgiveness at the beginning of today, regardless of the past. Maybe somebody you may to hear this this morning. God is for you, not against you. Amen. Someone with every head bowed every eye closed. Whether you're here in this room or you're watching on the room. You may be ready to take that step to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And what that means is you just say, Lord, I'm giving my life to you. I surrender my life to you. And what that does, when you just come to him and say, Lord, forgive me (laughs) in my past, it cleans everything from the past. It's like you have this big white board that had every sin you've ever done, written on that board. And the moment that you say, Jesus Christ, please forgive me of my sin, it becomes completely white again, brand new, as if there was never a mark on it. And that's the opportunity that you have this morning to come to Jesus Christ. And if you're ready to take that step, I'm going to simply to ask you to pray this with me. You. you can pray it in your heart oh, The words aren't magic, but simply your, your way of giving your life to Christ today. Say, Lord, please help me to see that you are working through my tragedies, my struggles. Thank you for loving me and giving your life on the cross so that I have new life. Help me to fill the emptiness in my life with you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Help me to face the challenges I am up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name, amen. This morning, if you said that prayer, I want to encourage you to take another step. We've talked today that you've seen that the world is on these shipping sandals. So this is a good first step for you, it's a free app on your phone that you can get called New version And you can. there's a little place you can search for a devotional call, First Steps for You And I want to encourage you to download that and begin working through that process. If you're local, we'd love to have you here on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. if you're far away, I encourage you to find a good church in your area wherever you're listening from today. Now this morning, I also want to pray for those of you that are struggling with and I'm struggling to say that sentence. Because <laughs> there's been a lot going on in life. A lot going on in our world. I and mean, there might be some of you who say, "And you know, I'm going to have a hard time believing I'm having a hard time with my faith. You can call me bitter because things just don't seem to be going way. And if you have that in your heart today, I simply just want to pray over you. You can all bow your head. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand or call your power. You can stand up and right now. I do want to pray for you because I believe it's important. It's an important moment for God to do something great in your life matter where you've been, even if you are a follower of Christ, but you find that bitterness in your heart and you've been struggling with your faith, this is the moment to say, Lord, give me the strength once again. Fill me once again with the Holy Spirit. Father, I just pray for each and every person here this morning, for those watching online, Lord, if they're struggling in their faith like Naomi did, if they're only seeing the negative, if they only see the bad things that are happening, I pray, Lord, even right now in this moment, that you would help us to realize our blessings, that when we would count them, Lord God, one by one, that you will continue your work in our lives, we go to those dark places, that we will remind Satan that he's his future lives, and that we don't have to listen to him any longer in our lives. We pray, Father, that we would not take on a name that does not belong to us because we are called and chosen by you. We are your sons and daughters. And I pray, Father, today you would give us the strength to rise up and to break through the things that are happening in our lives. I pray, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, that you would give us the strength that we need, that you would fill us, Lord God, anew, afresh, with your Holy Spirit, in such a way that we are overflowing and we're no longer going on empty, but we sense your Spirit and presence with us every day. Lord, do that in each one of us today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have everyone stand today. I just want to read the scripture passage over you from Jeremiah, chapter 30, verses 18 through 22. And this is Jeremiah speaking to Israel. But there's some of these things I think we can apply to our own lives. It says this, this is what the Lord says. When I bring Israel home again from captivity and restore their fortunes, Jerusalem will, re- will be rebuilt on its ruins and the palace reconstructed as before. There will be joy and songs of thanksgiving. And I will multiply my people, not diminish them. I will honor them, not despise them. Their children will prosper as they did long ago. I will establish them as a nation before me, and I will punish anyone who hurts them. They will have their own ruler again, and he will come from their own people. I will invite him to approach me, says the Lord. For who would dare to come unless invited? You will be my people, and I will be God. This morning, I encourage you to go. Let struggles of life make you better, not bitter. Go, not being defined by sin, but your new name and who God says you are. Go and focus on the blessings of God that he has given. Make your God, make my God, your God, and my people, your people. No turning back. You may feel empty now, but next week, you're going to see that the harvest is coming. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Amen.